Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsm radio.org now here's our show today God hates death more than sin many times we experience spiritual death in our Christian life but how many times do we realize that God is more disgusted with that death than our sin well today on life study of the Bible we are in Revelation chapter 3 covering the church in Sardis whom the Lord told you have a name that you are living but you are dead. And with us to talk about this dead church is Dick Taylor. Welcome to the program, Dick. Thanks very much. Dick, yesterday we heard a strong word about the church in Thyatira, which in church history is a type of the apostate church. Before we look at Sardis today and its striking point of being dead and dying, can you give us a little overview of the seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 and how they picture church history from the first century until now? These uh, seven stages of the church begin with Ephesus, which is the initial stage, continuing with Smyrna, which is the suffering stage of the church. And then thirdly, you have Pergamos, which is the worldly stage, the church becoming worldly. Then you have the fourth stage, which is the apostate stage, where the church really deviates from the truth. And then you have the fifth stage, which is the stage of this broadcast today, and that is the reform stage. That's Sardis. Then you have the sixth stage, which is Philadelphia, and that is the recovered stage. And lastly, you have Laodicea, which is the degradation of the recovered stage. But today we're concentrating on the fifth stage, which is the stage of reformation, eventually we'll see as a stage of institutionalism and organization. And in this stage, we see the church has become dead and dying. Before we get into Brother Lee's section, Dick, why don't we talk about the time frames in history? I know that the initial church, Ephesus, was the church when the apostles were there. And the suffering church began in the 2nd to 3rd century. And the church that was married to the world with Pergamos was in the 4th century when Constantine joined the church to the Roman Empire by baptizing unbelievers. I thought it would be good for the listeners to know the time perspective in history and how the apostate church was began in about the 6th century and the portion we're talking about now, the Reformed 
churches, the institutional churches, started in the 15th century. So, Dick, can you take it from there and talk about the last four churches that remain until the Lord comes back? These four begin with Thyatira. Thyatira begins about the 6th century and continues till the Lord comes. Then around the 16th century, we have the stage of Sardis, and this is the stage of the Reformed Church. This also continues until the Lord comes. Then in the 1800s, we have the stage of Philadelphia, the Recovered Church. And then we have the stage of Laodicea, which is the degradation of the Recovered Church, also lasting till the time that the Lord comes. These are the seven stages of the church. Four are existing right now. Very good. Thanks, Dick. Let's go to the first section with Witness Lee, where he talks about the church in Sardis and this phrase about a church who's dead and dying. The church you see from the first century down to today is really clearly divided into the seven stages. The initial stage, the suffering stage, the worldly stage, and the past stage. Four stages passed. Now we come to the fifth stage, the stage of Reformation, the Reformed Church. Quote 500 years ago, this Greek word, Sardis, means the remains, or the remainders, or it may be translated into restoration. It is something left. It's something that as a remainder remains. So it may refer to a kind of a reformation. In the reformation, nothing has been completed in the so-called reformed churches before the eyes of God. Not one is completed. Don't think justification by faith is completed. No. Only short-sighted people will say this. If you would get some inner sight, you could see the very justification by faith recovered through Martin Luther was shallow. Very shallow. Luther never touched the justification by faith in the way of life. Mostly in the way of doctrine, in a doctrinal way, in a superficial way. We all have to admit, none of the even greatest servant of God is perfect. Neither Martin Luther was perfect. So the work under his hand was not completed. Not only so. Look at today's Protestant churches. Many things recovered in the days of Ruler, have died, and still is about to die. This is why the Protestant churches always need the revivals. Why? Because things there are always about to die. The so-called Reformed Church has a name that it is living. Actually, it is dead. What is the crucial point with the fifth church that is dying died and dying many of you can testify at the time you got saved you were quite living 
after you got into a so-called church, that church became a refrigerator to you. You got saved. You were living. After you got into the church, after six months, <laughs> what? You got freezing. Then after another six months, you got dated. And after another six months, you got buried. This is the real situation. Well, Dick, I think a lot of our listeners, if they're honest, can relate to Witness Lee's word here about this real situation that Witness Lee spoke of just now, being burning for the Lord when you first get saved and then being in a refrigerator, a spiritual refrigerator. Maybe you can develop this for our listeners. Yeah, I appreciate this point very much because that's true. Many of us begin with a very burning, living salvation, but then we end up in this kind of organizational, institutional church, uh, which is uh, something of the Reformed Church. And what happens, we just become dead and dying. We really get put into the refrigerator. I really appreciate uh, how the Lord introduced himself when he spoke to the church in Sardis. He said, these things, says he who has the seven spirits and the seven stars. Because the Reformed Church had just become institutional and organizational, it was characterized by these two words, dead and dying. And the shortage is a shortage of the sevenfold intensified spirit. That means the Lord wants us to have an intensified realization of Christ. We may, at our initial salvation, really realize Christ. He's so real. He's so living. But because the church became institutionalized and organized, full of organization, then what happens? The spirit is put aside. But the Lord needs to be there as the sevenfold intensified one that we might be fully in the realization of Christ as the living one. And he also says he's the one who has the seven stars. Rather than depending on Christ as the sevenfold intensified living one, the Reformed Church would depend on organization and organizational type leadership. All of this brings you to a point where all that you have is dead and dying. The main characteristic of the Reformed Church, signified by Sardis. So, Sardis had a name. Apparently, they were living. Actually, they were dead. May the Lord save all of us. And even as we're listening to this broadcast, may the Lord save all of us back to himself as the marvelous, sevenfold, intensified, living one who wants to make us intensely living and intensely shining, just like we were at the very initial salvation when we experienced him. May we all enjoy and be brought back to such a Christ that we would be the overcomers in this situation of Sardis. That's good, Dick. I think every genuine Christian has this heart inside them. That's right. Well, we're going to go back to Witness Lee now, and before we do, I'd like to read a verse, because he's going to talk about death being more hateful to God than sin. And Numbers 19.11 says, One who touches the dead body of any human being shall be unclean for seven days. But if someone sins, according to Leviticus 4.27-31, it explains that that sin is forgiven through just making an offering. So it's real simple to have a sin forgiven, but it takes seven days for death to be dealt with. Amen. Let's go on to Witness Lee. 
Here it says, some in the church of Sardis never have their garment defiled. And here the defilement means what? Means anything with a dead nature. Here, the defilement in Sardis doesn't mean the defilement of sin, but the defilement of death. We all have to know, death is more dirty than sin. According to the Old Testament, if anyone sinned just by offering the sin offering, right away that one was forgiven. But anyone that touched anything dead, that one had to stay for seven days that he could be cleansed. This means the dirt that comes from death is more serious than that that comes from sin. Christians today don't have any consciousness of death. Suppose you uh, went uh, to Las Vegas to do some gambling. You may have the sensation that you are sinful. That is sin. Of course, that is a kind of dirty. But suppose you come to a meeting like a dead corpse. This dead situation in the eyes of God is more serious than gambling in the casinos at Las Vegas. But no Christians condemn this. You think as long as you attend the meeting, that's okay. But you attend the meeting like a corpse. The Lord hates death. Today, most Christians, they don't have this concept of death. The living servant, they are the ones who make the most mistakes. Not one lying there in false wrong could make any mistake. Surely, if you come to the meeting, you just sit there like a corpse. You prefer to be deadly right or livingly wrong. Deadly right or livingly wrong. Dick, when you put it that way, I think we'd all want to be living. Can you develop this for us in a practical way? It really helps, doesn't it, to realize, according to the truth of the Bible, death is even worse than sin. Just like the verse you read in Leviticus, somebody who touches a dead body is unclean for seven days. But if you sin and you offer the proper offering, that sin is removed and forgiven. But we don't have this concept. We think when we sin, we get dirty. Yes, we do. But even more than that, dirtier than this, is death in God's eyes. We don't have this concept. And I appreciate the fact that Christ, as the living one, is now living in us believers. Our need is to do our best to be one with him. For example, when we come to a meeting, if we just sit there in a dead way, I tell you, God gets no expression. He's not satisfied. There's no enjoyment on your part. There's just deadness. But when we come together, everybody turns to this living one, opens to him, and even we could express something of him, then he gets a living testimony. This is why he hates death, 
because death does not allow him to be expressed. Because who is he? He's the living one. Revelation one eighteen introduces this marvelous Christ in this book because he said, I became dead. Behold, I am living. He says, I am the living one. I have the keys of death and Hades. He surely hates death. So we as his children would surely hate death. May none of us be in this realm of death and under this influence of death as we see characterized the Reformed Church. Worse than sin is death. May we be those who turn to this sevenfold intensified living Christ that we might be as living as he is. Like our brotherly spoke, it's much better to be livingly wrong than dead right. Of course, the best is to be livingly right. But living children make many mistakes. Dead children make none at all. But who wants a dead child? We want all of our children to be living. So may we be those who realize how much God hates death, even more than sin. May we become the reproduction of this one who is the living one, Jesus Christ. Very good. Living like he's living and hating death like he hates death. Amen. Before we go to Witness Lee, Dick, I'd like to read a verse beforehand because I think it's going to be new to a lot of our listeners. It's Revelation 3, 5. It says, He who overcomes will be clothed thus in white garments, and I shall by no means erase his name out of the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Let's go back to Witness Lee for our final portion today. Here it says, I will not erase his name out of the book of life. This proves his name was in the book of life already. But there is the danger to have your name erased from that book. Once we got saved, once the Lord has given us the eternal life, we will never perish. This is decided. But why, here it says, our name has got on the book of life, yet it could be erased. What does this mean? This simply means your name will be erased in those thousand years. Suppose you will be a defeat. After being saved, if you will not, by his grace, to be an overcomer, but rather a defeat, when he comes, your name will not be there for the thousand years. Your names have been written on the book of life. But if you would not be an overcomer, by enjoying him as your grace. When he comes, your name will not be there. That means you have been called, but by that time, you will not be chosen. When we get on chapters 17, 19, we will see when he comes back, we all will be raptured to him. Then he will make a selection. And the selection of his will depend upon how we live our Christian life today. If we live in a defeated way, surely he will not select us. If we live in a victorious way, surely we'll be selected. Then our names will be there for the thousand years. God's original intention is that 
every one of his chosen ones may enjoy Christ to the uttermost today, that they may also have the right to enjoy Christ in the coming age. But many would not do this. So what? So, when the kingdom comes, this many all will miss, will lose their birthright. Only those who would go along with God's original intention will be there to enjoy Christ as a special portion. So, their names will be there. I think we know from John 10:28 that whoever has eternal life will be saved forever. This is the Lord's word in John 10, that you will by no means perish forever. So witness Lee's word here about enjoying the Lord to the uttermost is a very important word. What an incentive for us to enjoy the Lord, that we would not have our name erased out of the thousand-year kingdom. I wonder if you could uh, speak to this word of enjoying him. Well, God's original intention is that we would enjoy Christ to the uttermost. Eventually, we would be rewarded with even the highest enjoyment of Christ during the thousand-year millennial period. I appreciate so much this intention within God's heart. What a deal this is. We get to enjoy Christ now and enjoy him even more. So the Lord's burden is that we would be those who constantly receive his grace to be the overcomers, that is, enjoying and experiencing him in his Son constantly, day by day, that we would be rewarded with the top enjoyment of Christ during that thousand-year millennium. We have had a time where we turn to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, I receive you. Now he's in us as our life. Now God's intention is we would enjoy him to the uttermost, day by day, whether we're in the car, we're at home, whatever we're doing or wherever we are, so that eventually we're rewarded with the highest enjoyment of Christ during the thousand-year millennial period. Our name is not erased from the book of life. I really appreciate uh, Philippians 3.14. Uh, this verse says, I pursue toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ Jesus has called me upward. Well, I pursue toward the goal. The goal is the enjoyment of Christ. That's Christ himself. But the prize is the highest enjoyment of this goal, who is Christ. So not only would I enjoy him today, but by enjoying him day by day through my life on this earth right now, I would enjoy him to the uttermost as my prize and as my reward in the thousand-year millennial kingdom. May none of us have our name erased from the book of life. Lord, have mercy on us. Keep us receiving you as our grace. Amen. Lord, keep us enjoying you as our grace. Well, Dick, that's the, the end of our program today. Thanks for joining us. and You're welcome. We thank all of you for joining us as well. Whether you're in your car or in your house, we're glad you've been with us this last 30 minutes. And Give us a call at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send us email to radio at lsm.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.
Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.